Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. It's hot out, finally. That means it's time for fun hangouts at the beach and dipping in the lake to cool off. But we have to do it safely. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The Red Cross estimates that while 80% of Americans say they can swim, only half of them have all the necessary skills to save their own life in the water. Dave Benjamin is co-founder and executive director of the Great Lakes Surf Rescue Project. He's made it his mission to prevent drownings in Lake Michigan and beyond. So Dave, let's dig into that stat that I just read. 80% of Americans say that they can swim, but about half of them can swim swim? Uh, Yeah, and the big problem with this is most people don't really know this about themselves. So the uh, American Red Cross years ago did this nationwide survey. 80% of the respondents said that they knew how to swim. And then they started doing nationwide testing for five basic skills, which is fall in the water over your head, tread water for one minute, spin around 360 degrees to spot an exit, swim 25 yards of the length of the pool to get to an exit, and then climb out of the water without any assistance, without help from another person or using a ladder. Okay. And so we need to understand that swimming is actually an endurance sport. And even though you may know how to swim, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't drown. And that's unfortunately like a misconception that some people may have about swimming and drowning. Yeah. So I want to make sure we didn't miss those five water safety skills that you just uh, mentioned there. You said you want to make sure that you can be in water over your head and return to the service, Uh, float or tread water for one minute. Mm Mm-hmm. Turn around in a full circle and find an exit. That's an interesting one. Well, yes. If you were to have sudden immersion in water, you would have to be able to spot an exit. You have very limited sight line because your eyes are like six inches above the water. Right. And then swimming the length of a pool, 25 yards. These are five very basic skills And more than half of Americans who say they know how to swim could not do this. So that's a huge problem if you ever get in trouble in water over your head because people have this misconception like, I can swim, I shouldn't have to worry about drowning. But it's also kind of like saying, you know, I can run doesn't equate that you can run a marathon. Right. Okay. That is is a very good uh, example there because – I can tell you after going through these five skills, uh, you know, reading these myself, I, I started to question my own <laughs> swimming abilities, especially when I came across the swimming 25 yards one. I, I don't know that I can swim 25 yards without stopping. Right. And what we uh, when we're doing presentations and trainings, we say that we should define a person who's a swimmer is one person who can swim 100 yards without stopping. And most people would kind of say, okay, yeah, that's when they come to reality. I probably couldn't do that. And 25 yards is like, what, is that like one-fourth of a football field? Is that about right? Well, yes. So the length of a pool, if you're swimming laps, is generally 25 yards or 25 meters, so four lengths. um, Without stopping. Without stopping. That's a lot. That's a lot. So so, uh, I think a lot of us will fall in that category. And then that stat that I brought up at the beginning, it makes makes sense. Only half— of folks can actually swim well enough to, to, to save their life. Um, so you have said, Dave, that drowning is a neglected public health issue. Explain that. Um, well, I, I say that quite often, but when I say that, I'm citing the World Health Organization. So in 2014, there was a worldwide report on drowning, 
And a summary statement of that report was drowning continues to be a neglected public health issue, which happens with alarmingly high frequency around the world. So we need to understand that drowning is a public health issue, and it continues to be a neglected public health issue. It does not get the funding for education, outreach, and research as other public health issues. And the problem is, this is over a decade old now, and we still don't have a national water safety school curriculum And in the United States today, there's only one state that requires water safety education, and that just happened last year in Louisiana. We have a similar bill going through uh, the House and Senate in Illinois, which may become a law, you know, in the next six months to a year. But really, we should have water safety education nationwide. In schools today, it's pretty standard to have fires drills, tornado drills, school shooter drills. Mm -hmm. Uh, We even have earthquake drills. We do earthquake drills in Illinois and Indiana. Maybe not all schools, but my kids were doing this in the home of Flossmoor School District. Uh, But the sad reality is that each year we might have more school-aged children die drowning than fires, tornadoes, school shooters, and earthquakes all combined. So we really should elevate water safety as fast as possible to these other safety protocols. Mm So to your point, I mean, talking about fire safety drills in elementary school, I mean, I think a lot of us remember stop, drop, and roll. Yes. Is is there no similar easy-to-remember advice for water safety that kids are learning? Um, Well, what we advocate is flip, float, and follow. So you flip over your back and you float to keep your head above water, to calm yourself down from the pack of drowning, and to conserve your energy, and then follow a safe path out of the water. So you have to float first and exit strategy second. You know, simply said, just float to live. But what you have to do is stay at the surface and continue breathing if you want to survive. It's not common sense that panic is the first stage of drowning. When Mm -hmm. you have that moment in the water, like, oh, my God, I might not survive this, or you choke a little bit on water, you go into instant panic mode, and you fight to survive. You exhaust yourself very quickly, and a drowning person may submerge in less than uh, 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. So if you can't um, stay at the surface for at least a minute to get your breathing under control— you're likely just going to exhaust yourself, submerge. And then, unfortunately, if you do submerge, around three minutes of submersion, the heart's going to stop. Around four minutes, irreversible brain damage begins. And then at 10 minutes of submersion, if someone's then pulled out of the water and CPR and rescue breaths are performed properly, it's only about a 14% survival rate. So, unfortunately, 10 minutes of submersion uh-huh. is, is, you know, high probability of just a body recovery. Let's talk. You talked about panicking there, Dave. Let's talk about what that looks like exactly because I, I think a lot of us have seen – movie scenes, and the signs of drowning aren't as dramatic as what we see in the movie. So what what should we actually look for? What does it look like? Is is it the person flailing their arms in the water, as we've seen play out time and time again on screen? Uh, no, not at all. So, uh, yeah, movies, TV shows, cartoons have inaccurately portrayed drowning with lots of yelling and waving, and a drowning person is not going to be able to yell for help because they're choking on water, they're gasping for air. Uh, you have to have a full set of lungs to be able to yell for help, and you can't wave for help because if you put your hand above your head, it increases your body weight out of water, which is going to put your mouth underwater. Plus, you're oh. also exhausted. So, again, that's why you get into this drowning posture, which is typically facing shore, the closest exit out of the water. Your mouth is at water level, your head is tilted back, and your body is vertical. And when you're in this drowning posture, you need to uh, fight the instinct to survive and roll over in your back and float to breathe. What do bystanders do if they see someone struggling? Uh, well, what we advocate is that if you don't have lifeguard training, lifeguard equipment, or current physical fitness of a lifeguard, you should not enter the water to make a rescue. Uh, try to reach something to that person or throw them something that floats. 
Uh, don't go in the water to make a rescue because, unfortunately, would-be rescuers often become drowning victims because the drowning victim is in panic mode and they could climb all over you. Right. Um, yeah, I've, now, heard, I've heard some recent cases of the person that went in trying to rescue. Yeah. That they ended up losing their life. Yeah, would-be rescuers often become the drowning victims themselves. So if someone was ever going to be tempted to enter the water to try to make a rescue, they should take something with them that floats because oftentimes a would-be rescuer never makes contact with the drowning victim. They just get in the water. They get in trouble themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, then they can use that flotation for themselves. If they do happen to make contact with the drowning victim, keep the flotation between themselves and the drowning victim so that the drowning victim doesn't climb all over them. They climb on the flotation device and then uh, get them to control their breathing, uh, talk to them, say we're going to you know, take our time to get it out of the water. It's not a sprint to get out of the water. It's a marathon to get out of the water. Your group tracks the number of drownings in the Great Lakes, Dave, and we have been seeing a rise in deaths over the past few years. Where are we at so far in 2023? Uh, right now, there's 15 Great Lakes drownings. Five of those are in Lake Michigan. Um, it's actually kind of low for Lake Michigan this time of year compared to previous years. Okay. Uh, but on average, almost half of all Great Lakes drownings will happen in Lake Michigan, and then half of Lake Michigan drownings happen in the south end of Lake Michigan. So that's the Illinois, Chicago coast, northwest Indiana, southwest Michigan is the uh, deadliest spot on the Great Lakes. You know, something that uh, people don't often think that they're at risk for drowning, uh, you know, they are very confident thinking that they know how to swim, as we've said. But you've also said that it's important to really define what swimming is. So if you can break down just the difference between wading and swimming, yeah. I think that's important too. You know, oftentimes people are, say they're going to go to the pool and go swimming or they're going to go to the beach and go yeah. swimming and they spend all day there and they never went swimming because they just jumped in and did a cannonball or dove in. They're splashing their friends. They're throwing a football. They go to the concession stand and get a hot dog and that's not swimming. So you can go to the beach and you can see thousands of people there. But nobody's swimming. Everyone's just standing around waiting in the water. Mm-hmm. But they associate that what they did was swimming. Uh, sounds a little cooler, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. But but for the most part, people then have this assumption is I went swimming all day today. I know how to swim. I don't have to worry about drowning. And it just kind of just, you know, ingrains. Uh, a swimmer, again, should be someone that we, we say is going 100 yards without stopping. So at the open water, someone might be at the buoy line going from one buoy to the next buoy to the next buoy down the beach. Uh, Promenary Point has a popular spot where people enter the water to open water swim there. And, you know, you could see that they're hundreds of yards offshore and then they're swimming back. Yeah. You mentioned cannonballs. It makes me think that the rule of thumb for diving in the water, right? We know that you can only dive into water that's, I think, nine feet, right? What about jumping in? Uh, well, it's always best to enter the water um, feet first because if it was uh, shallow water or a rock, you know, if you go in head first, you could, you know, knock yourself unconscious or break your neck and then, you know, you don't come back to the surface and, and you drown. If you enter feet first, uh, you might sprain your ankle or break a leg, but it's something that's easy, easier to survive. There's a lot of um, enticing spots along the lake that, that aren't designated beaches, so if there's a ladder, can you swim there? Uh, you know, I don't know all the uh, regulations of where you can and cannot swim along the lakefront, but th- there, are, there are spots where I do, I think Ohio Street Beach has, has an area adjacent to the wall, mm-hmm. which is a popular open water swim spot. Um, I think those ladders are there more for if someone were to accidentally fall in to be able to get out of the water because oh. the the pathway is adjacent to the, the water. 
Um, I do want to, you know, commend Chicago for installing 115 life rings last summer um, after years of advocacy for these life rings. Uh, We know that within uh, a week there was a rescue and there were several more rescues made out through the entire summer. Yeah. But uh, public rescue equipment is something that should be on the lakefront. It's an Illinois law now, and we're you know trying to pursue that in yeah. Indiana as well as other Great Lakes states. Chicago is also dealing with a lifeguard shortage right now, yeah. as are, are many uh, cities across uh, the, the state. What do you think needs to be done to address the shortage? Um, well, I mean, just acknowledging the way the current climate is, is yeah, COVID had uh, a little bit of a play in that because yeah. if you're a lifeguard, you have to recertify every two years and some people might not have been able to recertify in a timely manner Then you have to retake the entire course. Um, Chicago just uh, put something on their Facebook page, Chicago Park District, uh, for a junior lifeguard program, and that's a great start. Yeah. We need to build young water safety competency as then they become your lifeguards. And then the other thing we need to understand is those lifeguards, mm-hmm. they become your police officers, firefighters, paramedics. They become doctors, nurses, teachers. Yeah, that's where um, they start. Other public service. Um, it's a very valuable work experience. And um, it's going to take a little bit of time to rebound, but it's something that's absolutely doable. And uh, I don't mean to come down in Chicago, but you got to raise those rates. Um, Pay them more. We'll get more lifeguards and keep more people safe. We'll leave it there. Dave Benjamin is co-founder and executive director of the Great Lakes Surf Rescue Project. Thanks for your time. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic, and it was edited by Stephanie Kim and Ethan Schwab. Want more news you can use? Hit subscribe and make sure Reset is in your podcast feed. That'll do it for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Tune in tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.